0: And welcome to Rule of Carnage. We're a couple of games designers talking about games design, hopefully giving the odd sort of bit of advice. My name's Glenn Ford. I'm here as usual talking to Mike Hutchinson. So Hello. today today we're going to have a little chat for the Tabletop Gaming Spring Showcase. And we're going to be looking forward a little bit to some bits and pieces that we're planning on doing over the next 6 to 12 months. We'll take about the first half an hour chatting about things that people might actually see in the real world in one form or another in the next sort of six months or so. And then in the second half of the podcast, we're going to do a little pitch battle of some bits and pieces that are sitting in our notebooks that we've, we're working on, see if each other finds them interesting and yeah, give each other a little sort of thumbs up or thumbs down on, our, on each of those ideas. So Mike, do you want to... Start off maybe running through a couple of ideas that might be coming out in the next six months, or shall I?
1: Yeah, well, I guess one thing that's worth saying is that discussing the roadmap of things that we may or may not be putting out is kind of an intriguing task for an indie designer who's a master of their own destiny and beholden to no one. Because in many respects, the reason that i'm an independent designer is i just do whatever i want whenever i want to do it
0: <laughs> uh, and
1: so although we're going to talk about some of the things that are kind of somewhat planned and in our minds for things that are coming up it's worth saying that for independent designers like us we can change our minds anytime we like and mm. um, because in most cases we aren't bringing out a bunch of product sort of all in concert with each other we actually don't really need to have very locked in uh, release schedules so
0: Yeah, totally. Particularly
1: for myself, I'm going to talk about some things that I might do, but I might get excited about something else uh, during the pitch uh, (laughs) battle video and uh, go off and do that instead.
0: Yeah, I mean, interestingly, um, obviously, and this is probably true for a lot of people, lockdown has taken a bit of a sort of swerve on some of the things that I was intending to do for the next 12 months. So uh, one of the projects I'm going to be talking about is one that I've brought forward and dropped another one back, so... Yeah, I mean, should I, should I just? I'll I'll just go and talk about that situation at where it now. Yeah, I think that's in, that's um,
1: interesting. Yeah, so your your roadmap had to adjust based on the fact that you had a game hmm. that really wasn't a good idea to drop during a global pandemic. So tell us about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I've been working on a game uh, called Song of Tales. So That's a uh, a storytelling game, very much based around sort of building a story and slotting in words and having to put phrases in particular fashions. So you might have to rhyme or you might have to use Kennings to put a phrase in. And the thing about Song of Tales is it's a very face-to-face group of people relaxed around a table, telling stories very physically together. Uh, also, has a mechanic where you've got to share moving a particular Piece around the board. And aside from the fact that sort of releasing that into a world where getting a group of people relaxed around a table is less of a proposition, it's also been extremely difficult to give it proper playtesting. So I've, I've run a few playtests, but nothing like what I'm comfortable with. I was really hoping that there would be some sort of conventioning or at least club meetups going on at this point to, to get that into a place where it was going to be ready to publish sort of in the early summer. So that's been knocked back. And what I brought forward is an idea that I've had on the back burner for a little while. It's going to be a game called Turing. So some games I, I absolutely love are uh, things like Mysterium, Greenville 1989. I think it's a fantastic version of, uh, of this idea. Dixit, uh, maybe a little bit more well known image interpretation games, games where you get a set of totally abstract images and by the way that they're played out within the game, the things they're connected to, people around the table attach meanings to them and build up a little private language of that. And I've also been wanting to get more of a small game, big game schedule going on now that I've got a bit of my, my foot in the door with Kickstarter. So Turing is always going to be a little sort of pocket game. And as I say, I love, for example, Greenville 1989 It's one of these in, in an image interpretation game. If you haven't played it, you should definitely give it a look where it's built around rather than just a sort of direct interpretation of those images, it's about the stories that people build up about them. So you play an abstract image out and then you tell a story about how your character is feeling going into that image and what they expect to see next and the windows you open for the communicator of, I think I'll see this or that, is, is how they'll play an abstract image in for you. And you need to find space so that you don't step on each other's stories so that images can be quite clear when they're played out. And it's beautifully done. And it takes the idea of seeing those abstract images and then telling the story of what you think is about them to the extreme. So I didn't want to go down that route. So Turing, interesting, well, I think it's interesting, strips it right back in the other direction. So with Turing a player plays out three cards three of which are going to be essentially random and chosen by the game and three of which are going to be chosen by the player from a set of options and all they have to do is communicate to the other players that which set of cards is is an active attempt at communication and which is essentially a random selection of cards. And what I mean one of the big big barriers for Turing originally was that it's always going to be a small pocket game and it was always going to have a huge amount of artwork in it by its very nature. So there's been a lot of stashing away images, picking things up, scouring the net for donation images and, and putting those together. And that's, that's finally come together now. It's got a good stock of images We're running it through graphic design right now. And I'm hoping to have that as a early summer release on Kickstarter. To be a little pocket sort of two to six player game, we've I've, I've sort of been playtesting it a bit. I think we we ran a playtest of it on Tabletop Simulator uh, a little while ago. Um, we did. Yes, uh, it was yeah, very enjoyable so-
1: actually. I uh, I liked it very much particularly because glenn is known for his logical play at the table i would i I literally never want to play Cluedo with glenn i have heard tales and i don't wish to participate the other two people around the table myself and our and our good buddy john were um let's say less than logical about the way that we played we might have been making mistakes we might have just been playing a little shooting from the hip but uh Glenn backed himself into a couple of logical corners where it was obvious what was going on. But of course the obvious choice would only have been made by a rational thinking human and neither <laughs> of the other two players around the table will behave rationally. So yeah, I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that I love about these kinds of um, image interpretation and sort of, alternative communication games and Mm -hmm. so I think this one has it in a a very very compact form factor so yeah I'm excited to uh, see you take it out.
0: And I suppose the other thing that's going to be coming out relatively soon and I'm I'm hoping to run it closely time-wise to Turing as a Kickstarter, take advantage of some sort of bulk shipping when it gets printed. It is SSO as has sold out or pretty much sold out of its original print run, So there'll be a reprint of SSO. So there'll be a reprint of SSO going on Kickstarter, and that will have alongside it uh, one of the new challenge decks. So one of the things about SSO, people aren't familiar with it at all, is that it has a base set that tells a story of essentially 2000 on the space odyssey you're being killed off by a rogue ai but the uh the challenge deck that tells the story can be slotted in and out in a modular fashion so it's been a, a series of expansions replacing those so when the sso reprint goes up again hopefully that'll be early summer there'll be uh the wonder of Wobs challenge deck come coming in with it where the ship is overrun by tiny cute fairy creatures that mean that you can't access various systems and slowly suffocate you out so that was um that was the second most popular game voted for on the original sso kickstarter by fans. Give the people what they want so 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 that's that's all been sort of play tested and, and figured out and so i'm currently running through the artwork for the cover of that and hopefully that should all comfortably come together for a early summertime launch for those kickstarters so just after we've covered the bulk of fulfilling rage of Montalbano, which is uh available for, for late pledges we will go on launch those kickstarters and and carry on the uh the release train as it were
1: it's like a sidebar uh, on that so i'm, I'm interested just because it, it might not be clear from the outside so when you say that you've sold out the original print run of sso and you're taking it back to kickstarter to get a reprint people might be thinking, well, if he sold out the game, surely he's making money on the game. Why does he have to go back to Kickstarter for a reprint of something that's successful?
0: Largely because the funds that have come back from selling the original print run of SSO have been ploughed back into the artwork for Song of Tales, and a lot of it into the the artwork that uh, went into to Moonflight. So I think, again, this is one of the places where, again, I think as a, as a small independent publisher, especially if you're making sort of physical box games, is a certain amount of Kickstarter is loading you up on stock. And when you sell through that stock, you've got a certain amount that's going to be sunk into the artwork for the next game and a certain amount that's finally going to sort of run into profits so again the yeah the sso reprint is going to be there to cover the just the costs of of printing and shipping it and then probably the the sales of that will once again go into whatever the next project is and slowly we're building up a bulk of stock that's going to sort of run forward and 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 be self-sustaining in the next sort of in the next year or two. That's that's the grand plan for the publishing business on, on that front.
1: Assuming you can never get out of the house to sell it to anyone. Well, yes, yes.
0: Again, you know, I mean it's it's been it's been a funny one because uh, with the sales of SSO from the Rage of Montebano Kickstarter, we're going to just have stock at the end of Rage of Montebano, which should just cover us for web sales until we get to launch the so reprint in an ironic turn of fate if we had been doing conventions we would have definitely sold out so you know it swings and roundabouts it's not it's not the way that i would like to have gotten lucky but in a way there's a slight getting lucky there and we won't Mm. go fully out of out of stock before before the reprint launches uh so yeah it's the short term sort of 5 to 6 months coming out from uh, Manakin games certainly what are we going to see from Mike and Planet Smasher games in the in the short term future the next sort of 5 6 months or so coming up
1: so with the recent release of a billion suns i'm clearly going to be making sure that there's content to support that game so the rule book is available from offspray and i want to augment that with enough sort of smallish fairly regular uh, releases of of additional content to keep people engaged with the game so sometime in march when that uh, issue of miniature war games drops there's going to be a narrative solo campaign which is essentially like a Sort of single player story mode from a video game and i wrote this i've written some solo rules which are still as we talk today still in um mm-hmm. uh, in beta that obviously is like as the game as the game uh, is coming out during a um a lockdown here in the uk i needed to provide some solo rules to, to give people an opportunity to get it to the table but it's mm-hmm. also something that i've always wanted to do with a billion suns because a billion suns is sort of it's got a kind of real-time strategy video game DNA somewhere in it. And I grew up playing Dune 2 and um, Command and Conquer and stuff and playing through the story modes of those. The so, uh, hmm? I said the noble
0: Atreides, the insidious <laughs> Ordos, and the evil Harkonnen.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I, I wrote... For the for miniature war games, I wrote this linked three mission campaign and it was actually a real pleasure to write and really fun to play. So it's nice because I, I hadn't quite twigged how I was going to go about writing these story modes, but it's been in the um, it's been in the backlog for the game for ages. So I think one of the things that I will likely do, depending on how the situation evolves uh, globally, so is I'll, I'll probably write one or two more of these like three episode narrative campaigns so that people can play out a little part of the story. And I think it also gives me an, an, quite an easy way to present something that is definitely not Star Wars and definitely not Star Trek, and give some flavor for people to kind of dive into the sort of stories that they want to tell. That's one thing, more narrative solo campaigns, finishing the solo uh, rules and getting them out of beta is another. And the, it's mentioned in the Billion Suns rulebook, but the missions, the contracts that you get in the rulebook are only the first of an imagined subsequent mm-hmm. set of these things. And... The, uh, the one that's in the book is the sort of industrial activities and espionage one called the Core Systems Contract. And that allows you to play a game which is very much around about poodling about protecting utility ships, getting jobs done and so on. And there's a number of other ways that I want to help people be able to play the game. And the one that is like most obviously missing but was deliberately avoided because I I wanted the game to come out and feel like something very different is a contract set Mm -hmm. called Warzone where Mm -hmm. the game is adjusted slightly by the mission pack to play a little bit larger, play a little bit more head-to-head, play a little bit more aggressive and I'd struggled with that for quite a long time but I've had some recent success putting together some a a new approach for Warzone so I hope to get um, the Warzone contract set out in the next six months or so so that the game doesn't get dismissed as, well, it only does this one weird thing and you can't just play Spaceship Battles. I want to provide this just Spaceship Battles module. And then the sort of last thing that I can see on the Abelian Suns roadmap at the moment is, I have a a slightly more filigreed map campaign system that sort of comes from my deep childhood love of mighty empires and having little armies moving around a hex grid. So it hasn't been playtested enough. I don't think it will ever be playtested enough, but I'd like it to be a little bit more playtested than it is at the moment. And so it's got a sort of a hex grid, settlers of Catan type looking layout, and that's your sort of subsector. And the players in the campaign are moving their fleets around and sort of... There's a kind of meta board game within which uh, games of a billion suns will then occur. So yeah, very very nice kind of classic campaign system. But I, I like those sorts of systems. They can be very, when you get the right group together, they can be very crunchy and delicious. So yeah, so that's that's the a billion suns roadmap cool. for gaslands. There's a couple things on the horizon. One very imminently. So. Blaster, which is the kind of games anthology that I'm putting out with a group of other indie designers, including uh, Joe McCulloch of Frostgrave and Ash Barker of Last Days and Guerrilla Miniature Games on YouTube. The third volume of that is due relatively soon, and I'm really excited to put to have put out in that a a new uh, campaign for Gaslands that's called Gaslands Legacy and contains some slightly wild ideas about creating cars which you use a sort of web page application that I've handcrafted myself so you create (laughs) cars based on the name of the car that's written on the bottom of the toy car and then you play through what is quite a unfolding sort of narrative scenario and depending on what you do during the game the games you may get extra clues and extra upgrades and stuff and yes through the course of the campaign, you 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 pick up a ton of new weapons and skills, but um, in a very chaotic and grab baggy way. So if you've ever wanted to play Gaslands sort of with the, with the perks, but without the sponsors, if you've ever thought to yourself, what would happen if we just threw all the perks together? What kind of insane stuff can we make then? Gaslands Legacy is the campaign mode for you.
0: Yes, and if people are
1: intrigued by the
0: use of the, uh, let's call it the keyword term, Legacy there. Yes. Figuring out what that might mean for a uh, for a miniatures game for a game like Gaslands uh, has been sort of an interesting uh, set of discussions. I think uh, at some point in the future it might be interesting to do. Uh, to do yeah, a we should about. probably do.
1: A, what, what the what the heck is is Legacy anyway? Yeah, you know, what is what what point. is
0: legacy? What is it for for a, for a miniatures game? But if any if anybody Well, and
1: also for a miniatures game that isn't that that is coming from an indie an indie maker like me who has the ability to create websites and graphic design but doesn't have the ability to create complex physical products, which most yeah. legacy games are very complex f- physical product. So um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. So if, if if anybody finds the very concept of miniature's game like Gaslands with the word legacy attached to it, there's uh, there's going to be juice in that for them to sort of go, ah, hello. Um, yeah, it's a sli- it's yeah. a
1: slight risk putting out a thing in in Blaster called Gaslands Legacy because it's slightly a red rag to a bull. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm genuinely yeah. I quite proud i think of some of the things and and some of the ways in which it's gone and there's mm. you know and hopefully at various points in this we will talk about uh when and how the the sort of the format can be widened out for these sorts of games but i i personally i genuinely think that gaslands legacy is doing something quite uh, i don't know if avant-garde is, is the right phrase but uh ill-considered <laughs> 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 trail 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 blazing and interesting so i I, yeah, I encourage people to take a look at that and give us their opinions
1: on it we, we, we talked about we talked about this pre- in previous conversations on this channel but um you know one of my objectives is to innovate new technology for miniatures war games and the attempt with uh, Gasland's legacy is to take some ideas from not miniature war game and find a way to incorporate that technology into miniature war games in a way that's interesting totally yeah yep 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 and then beyond that um there is a there's an obvious thing that a billion suns isn't which is when I started when I kind of brought the original design to you Glenn you looked at hmm. it and went Well, that ain't Gaslands in space. Uh, And it isn't Gaslands in space. But the question remains, what would Gaslands in space be like? And so still in the relatively early sketches stage is a Gaslands in space. Maybe might be called Space Truckers, where it takes some of the game sort of shape of a billion suns, but puts the, the Gaslands chaos into it. And so you would be... Uh, a more prosaic set of small-scale, independent space truckers, and you'd be uh, futzing about on a slightly smaller scale than the um, than the grand mega corporation warfare of uh, a billion suns. And we'll see if there's some fun juice to be extracted from that. The primary intention being: can you take the mess of incorrectly scaled big rigs and truck cabs that people who play Gaslands inevitably end up with these things that don't look right in the, the Gasland scale? Can you chop all their Wheels off, attach fins and bits of plastic to them, and turn them into space trucks.
0: Yes, so I suspect the
1: answer is yes, and let's have fun trying that out.
0: I mean, you know, knowing the the highly creative range of folk that there are out there in in the gaslands community, that I I would suspect the answer is a is a resounding yes. Yeah, certainly. Um, OK, so that's maybe the sort of the very, the near future without sort of stepping into the totally sort of pitchy games that we're going to do in a minute. Is there anything a little bit further ahead, maybe talking up to 12 months that that other people might see coming out?
1: Yeah, so I think the other two things for me that I've got one eye on at some point when I'm free of my current passion and excitement for Avilion Suns, I will turn my hand again to Perilous Tales, my solo horror and pulp adventure miniatures game, where you uh, you play against a, a clutch of uh, sneaky villains and they try and uh, stop you from solving your missions. There's a version of the rulebook for that game that exists in my mind, and what I need to do is drink about six cups of coffee and have a week <laughs> off work, and it will just it will just pour out because I can see it in front of me. I just haven't had sufficient spare time to kind of to commit to it and to blow it out but right now the core rules of the game are good and stable and there's a great list of villains which can be expanded and play tested more and there's no doubt about that but the Definitely. big missing piece is there's a bunch of exciting structuring devices that I can put in, learning a little bit from and bouncing off of my experience with the narrative solo campaigns with A Billion Suns. When when you're writing multiple things at the same time, they inevitably kind of inform each other, but. I'm very close to having a pattern for how to tell s- serials or s- or movie uh, franchises or seasons of TV shows um in 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 a nice clicky way. And so I've kind of got three of those in early stages. And so I would hope by the end of the year, I'll have definitely found a time to open open the Google Doc and really dive into finishing what I think could be a really, really awesome and popular sort of way of playing uh, solitaire games basically mm. the I mean the, the community response and, and the, the number of YouTube battle reports seems to prove that there's a lot of interest yeah. for the yeah. system um, it's just one of those things that as a as an indie designer who basically designs in the hour before they go to bed after they've eaten dinner and has a busy day job it's uh, it's just squeezing enough things in I'm just I'm desperate to finish per- Perilous Tales because I think it's going to be amazing
0: yeah, I think the, the the community have really been responding to it already, and it's it's so it's so far along the journey that it would be sad if uh, if it if it doesn't get some sort of fruition at this point. I, yeah, it's my, it's actually it's opinion. actually just
1: we maybe we didn't touch on it that much in the process conversation that we had before, but there is a part where there's just work. There are words to mm. be written, and those words need to get written, and then they need to get rewritten six times so that they're good. Yeah. Um, it's, um, there is an element of that, which is there is just work to be done on Perilous <laughs> Tales.
0: Yes. As I understand it, it was a, a conversation on Pandemic Season 1 between Matt Leacock and Rob Davio, where they said, OK, it's, uh, it's 90% done. And the other one said, yeah, brilliant. It's just the last 90% to go now then. It's it's that point between, okay, it's done, it's nailed down, it's solid. Now that last little bit ends up being sort of at least as much work as you've already done, polishing, shining getting it really humming yeah no i'm 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 extremely interested and looking forward to seeing perilous tales come out there again i think that a really solo led miniature skirmish game i think is something that'd be brilliant to actually actually see out there and there and again there's the, the community response has been fantastic there's some battle reports you can already uh look up on it from the from the beta of it people yeah tons yeah, mate, with, um, dozens now People playing it with sort of tiny, you know, six mil miniatures on a, on a lap table, tray in front of the TV and, and things like that. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, and
1: the, 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 where people have lent into making beautiful terrain and then having the same crew of pulp adventure miniatures sort of playing through multiple episodes and, and, and watching mm. them unfold a story for their crew on the table. That's exactly what I was hoping the game was going mm. to inspire people to do and yeah it's been really interesting to watch because because people are doing it for themselves they can kind of lavish more personal energy on it in a way that is simply pleasing themselves and that's that's really interesting
0: no no totally so i'm fiddling with a thing that i think that i'm 80% sure is going to be the next sort of big release from manekin mm-hmm. um We've been playing a lot of things like Fury of Dracula and Scotland Yard. And I want to take a shot at what I want a hidden movement game to be. So that's uh, it's currently got a working title of Art Heist, but I think it's going to have something a bit more flowery on it. And that's going to be where I love the moments in things like Scotland Yard, where Mr. X is one space away from the investigators and Mr. X is sort of giggling to himself oh. yeah half sweating yeah, half giggling like i can i can see them on the other side of the street they can't see me they're gonna go the wrong way and i and i want to build in a game where the hidden player has more opportunity to taunt might be a harsh phrase but uh more mess with encouragement to to play the security guard so i want to go with something that's a bit sort of uh Uh, a bit Thomas Crown Affair, a bit sort of gentleman thief in an art gallery who stealing the painting isn't sufficient. He wants to (laughs) steal the painting in a stylish way. Um, Right, very nice. He's going to have conditions to his revealing. And a central mechanic is going to be about the fact that guards are going to step and arrest, and then the villain is going to step and check where the guards can see him. So if the villain is on the guard's space... At the end of each of his movement, the guards can't see them because he's sort of right behind their shoulder and pivoting around. And if you can keep dogging a particular guard without the other ones getting around to see you stood just behind his shoulder, you can use that ability to have hidden reveals of where you are and really sort of mess with them.
1: And, and I've- in in and in in this design, are you are you aiming for pure and? crisp scotland yard or are you aiming for rich and filigreed fury of dracula
0: it's going to be more the scotland yard end of of things so that's for a a couple of reasons because one of the um, things that's come up with turing that i've been very happy with is it's going to be my first language independent uh Mm. game i i have a habit of sticking a lot of text on cards and every time on kickstarter quite rightly i get you know, people from France and Germany and such like saying, will there be a French version of this? Will there be a German version of it? And I don't have anything like the demand to justify printing up a, a different language version of the game. I think with Turing, which is fantastic, is the components language independent. The rules are a single page. I can very easily now put that out in a translated version. Mm. And one things about a Fury of Dracula version is you're going to have text-heavy cards. With a Scotland Yard version, I can get all the cards to be a basic symbol versions. There will be 10 or 12 cards, maybe, uh, and they can all be icon through. Yeah, that Uh, sounds
1: great. And then there's nothing stopping you, like the instructions for a hairdryer, putting all six languages in the paper rules insert.
0: so There's only
1: one version and it is entirely internationalized.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think I think with Turing being Super Pocket, it'll have to be a PDF version of those translations, and I'm hoping, fingers crossed, to community source a certain amount of those translations, and we'll see that, you know, Kickstarter's a great community, and it's lovely to get people involved. And I've already had people translating the rules for some of my previous games, and it's been brilliant. I've had to say, you know, thank you so much for that work, you've been fantastic, but realistically... That the cards make this a sort of a losing battle It would be fantastic to reach out to some of those people and say you know look you know it'd be great if we could do something like that for Turing. but for for whatever art heist ends up being hopefully the rules will be there in the box because it's going to be a bigger box game it's going to be able to fit in the the alternative versions of the manual so I'm, I'm excited to have that as a a proper language independent uh release from from mannequin yeah that's, so, that's cool that's really awesome. exciting That'd be fantastic.
1: I love a, I love a hidden movement game as well. So I'm excited to um, as you finish the, the the early prototypes of this. I'm excited to to play it.
0: I've got a written out version that's halfway towards being tabletop simulated. So once I get the the ropey card assets uh, scratched up in that, I will be uh, visiting it upon our, our regular online gaming group at some point <laughs> in the next.
1: The, the, next uh, the good thing about playing those kinds of games, particularly um, <laughs> playing uh, Scotland Yard, although Fury of Dracula has been similar as well, the fact that you're not visible to the other players and then you can go on <laughs> mute and you can be hooting to yourself about how close <laughs> they are or how they just said the wrong thing where everyone is going, well, he can't be there because he must have been there. And then if he went to there, then he, you're just going like, I'm just behind you, I'm just behind you. But you, you're on mute. <laughs> yes, I hopefully that'll
0: be good fun fantastic so hopefully that's what the the public will be seeing from each of us in the next sort of 6 to 12 months mm-hmm. um we will take a break here for the first part <laughs>
1: So we are going to play a little game ourselves. We've got our, our sheets of ideas, our notebooks, our ring-bound notebooks full of uh, wacky game ideas that we haven't yet implemented. And we thought we would have a go at pitching them to each other. And I'll probably pitch about five ideas to Glenn. Glenn will probably pitch about five ideas to me and we will be brutally assessing whether or not we would play uh, this idea or not. Fantastic. So, do you want to open with the first of the pitch battles? Um... Pitch battle. Let's, yeah, let's alternate. All right. So, I'm going to hit you with an idea. You've played Gaslands, the post apocalyptic game of car combat and racing, but have you ever imagined playing Gaslands, colon, Pirate of the Rad Seas? <laughs> this is also known as the other subtitle I've got is Gaslands, the gas done run out. <laughs> So uh, I've, I've often wanted to design a, a sort of sail game, an age of sail game, something about ships poodling about and broadsiding each other. But what if the ships were tanks and the broadsides were post-apocalyptic scrap launchers. So it would be a skirmish level tank and probably other trucks. <laughs> and the, um, the game would be about the, all the chaos and fun of the Gaslands movement templates, but with a system of the sort of wind and your position against the wind controls which templates you can use. And you can fire broadsides using the Gaslands templates whilst making cannon noises. Uh, what do you reckon? Would you play that? I mean an old fan of Man of War.
0: I've got a, a hefty collection of Pirates of the Spanish main punch out ships. Uh, oh, those are waiting. So good. I love those. I, I I love I love those things so much. Why aren't why 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 why, why do we it, love
1: those things so much? I,
0: yeah, I mean I just, it's it's their little little punch <laughs> out ships <laughs> that cut co- that that come to <laughs> card. <laughs> They they come as a piece of card that you can get in a booster pack and it's a ship miniature. Why is that not the best thing in the world? It is the um, best thing. Um so in the world. any There's no argument. <laughs> <laughs> anything that would give me an excuse to play with those, and doubly so since I've already got a team of Gaslands cars that already have sales on them, because I long ago thought that why would you waste gas on your way between the races? So I, I would be halfway to that anyway, and who wouldn't want more. Gaslands with people firing chickens at each other from broadsides. So okay, so I'd, Gaslands, Pirate I, of
1: the Rad Sea. I would play that. Would play. All right, Glenn, what, what do you got? Okay,
0: so something that I've been fuddling with, and I've mentioned the idea of YouTube to you before, would be um, ELE, Extinction Level Event, the game of ongoing survival horror. So if you've ever played a, an ongoing campaign game and wondered why the leader just gets called the leader because they've been picked that, wonder why it is that if somebody's brother dies on a mission, the, their, their sibling doesn't then hate the person that was leading the mission, uh, Extinction Level N would be a skirmish game with a involved campaign mode where the relationships between the members of your compound, your community, affect their in-game effectiveness. So instead of having just buffs that are just laid on you, if you are the most respected, the person has the best and strongest relationships with everybody else who's on the mission with you, you'll get buffs from them helping you out and they'll get buffs helping you out. If you take a group on a mission and somebody dies, when you come back, people who have a strong relationship with that person, they're going to lose a relationship to you. And so it's it's going to be an ongoing narrative survival horror. If you think about something like The Walking Dead, where there's a constant ongoing set of relationships within your group managing how people feel about things realizing that you need to return uh, repair a relationship with somebody because somebody they love died on your watch so you've got to take them out with you forge a bond of blood within the field and and have that payback and manage a post-apocalyptic community where everybody is infected and everything is rolling towards a fairly awful conclusion. That would be, that would be extinction
1: level Hmm. events. One one qualifying question. When you say a narrative skirmish game, are the missions themselves quite narrative or does the narrative come mostly from the, campaign and progression progression system of the characters so
0: the missions are going to have a little bit of narrative in them but they're going to be relatively simple because there can be an ongoing search for supplies rather than it's not a world in which there are lots of people hanging around to interact with um, and even other players you're going to want to negotiate rather than engage Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to want to find a way to get in and out with risk is the primary managing system of the game. So you're going to want to get in get the supplies you need to survive you're not going to be hanging around to kick the other guy's teeth in and add oversupply yourself because every moment in the field increases the chances of infection
1: interesting well i like the malifaux sort of character driven skirmish idea and this feels like a character driven skirmish game where i invent the characters rather than being given them and i also like skirmish games that aren't necessarily about knocking everybody's teeth out but uh, achieving some other things so i think i'm a tentative yes on this i tend to not like things about people's interactions as much as i like uh, heavy objects smashing into ho- other heavy objects but this one's got me this one's got me intrigued so I'm a, I'm a yes to play this one. Okie dokie
0: what's next on your list then?
1: What's next on my list is this is my this is my game design white whale so here is a tiny tiny little uh, modern jet fighter can you see that it's yes. a tiny little modern jet fighter now the idea of a jet fighter And a miniature and a tabletop miniatures game is ridiculous. It's ludicrous. We already know it's ludicrous from other large-scale 28 mil games which have flyers which for some reason travel, you know, 20 inches rather than just like six miles. So I want to know if afterburner a world war three jet combat game could be achievable and right now my uh, my idea is that there are two stages of the game so it's a it's a game in which there aren't really terms there are sort of narrative acts and the first narrative act is called uh, the approach and that is about negotiating the interception by uh, enemy uh, enemy craft and then the second phase of the game is called uh, the target where you actually need to engage the target do the bombing run or destroy the whatever Whatever the thing is and uh, negotiate more of the sort of final ground assets and so on and in terms of the mechanics of the game right now the way that it doesn't really work but i dream that it will work <laughs> is that it uses mini scale gaslands templates are so the ones that are scaled down to micro machines, and Rather than moving your jet fighter, you move everything else on the board relative to you. And it frankly is probably a solo game. It's being written as a solitaire game. So it's an opportunity to use some nice sort of epic scale or smaller scale terrain and sort of set up a couple of combat scenarios where you need to negotiate the, the oncoming enemy forces in two phases, the approach and then the target. What do you think?
0: You know, everybody wants to play Top Gun. I think mm-hmm. there's if there's a volleyball phase in between missions, that would probably be a strong winner. I think I think you know if you believe it, if you get to a point where you confidently say that you think it works, then you know I'd certainly give it a try out. It would be it'd be interesting if it's if it's not too much of a solo puzzle. I would be interested in it mm-hmm. if it works sort of narratively and and it gets working. I, I, I think I'd stick that on the table I, I have a, ra- a, a sort of circulation of solo games and I'm always up for more miniature solo games so if, if you make it work then yes so that, that has to be a sort of given that at the moment <laughs> your opinion is hi this definitely doesn't work but <laughs> if the but happens then then, then a yes fantastic.
1: All right, well, maybe maybe we'll spend another uh, half an hour at some point talking about uh, My White Whale and digging into I mean, why why dogfighting has been done and why two objects travelling at Mach 3 at, towards each other don't make a good tabletop skirmish game. <laughs> yeah,
0: if, well, if, if you get somebody to throw a tennis ball across you and then you throw a tennis ball at that moving tennis ball and see if you hit it, that's the explanation as to why it's a... Uh,
1: f- <laughs> Physical resolution combat systems underused in miniature skirmish games. There's a fantastic game called Caveman where you have to throw wads of uh, paper at each other's miniatures to hit with uh, missile <laughs> weapons. More of that, please. All right, that's... Um, okay, so that was Afterburner, World War Three Jet Combat. That's That was a sort of lukewarm response, but... Uh... If it works, it'll
0: work. In, in relation to sort of white whales of skirmish game design, horror and humour, I think, are the things that I'm constantly trying to get to work. And so one of the ideas it's on my desktop at the moment is Soylent Ghoul um, <laughs> That's just so fun th- to say I, it's, uh, that, that phrase came into my if ghouls are created when you eat another human body and if Soylent Green is made from people there's an obvious post-apocalyptic horror world which is Soylent Ghoul So Soylent Ghoul is a horror game where the horror isn't simply within the descriptions and the world there's a mechanic central to the game which is about every force has a way of dropping things outside of your line of sight that might be a problem and might not be a problem and you always have the opportunity to react to it the more you react the more paranoid you become the more you react to things that aren't a problem the more out of control you then become as you the fear gets a hold of you and you lose control and so the characters themselves within the game are going to be suffering from a fear mechanic but the players themselves are going to have a building paranoia as the tokens dropped around them could be something fatal could be something minor so hopefully it's a game where you have a horror experience within the playing of the game rather than the background and surroundings of the game. And that's, that that was the phrase, Soling Gould, the author, Thomas Ligotti, if you've seen any of his stuff, very weird, post-Lovecraftian horror and a lot of sort of ideas of a very dark, insidious horror world that that's building. That, that would be Soylent ghoul thing that I'm shooting for as an experience. And, that, and of... is that head that is that head to head? Yes, that would be a head-to-head game. So each ghoul bloodline works in a certain way. So for example, you've got a force that have lanterns. anything outside of the glow of their lantern, get pulled down uh, into the earth by hands that push into you as they pull you down. The lantern is more powerful the smaller the light is, but every time you reduce the light, there's the opportunity for it to go out and for you to be pulled down by your lantern a little bit.
1: And you wow. Okay, so I, I, I was totally a no until you actually gave me an example of what the game would be like. So uh, <laughs> that, that that's interesting, because I think your elevator pitch, whilst coherent, didn't like I, I didn't have any picture of like why that was exciting i was just like in my mind i was like so is it going to be a bit like perilous, perilous tales with some sort of hidden tokens that i need to worry about and then you were like and there's a lantern mechanic and stuff getting drawn into the like oh no ah, yes. <laughs> but, yeah that's, yes, it, that sounds cool it, I'm, I'm now i'm now i'm now up
0: yes yeah, so the shadows are a terrible thing in this world so some people if you can see them they're a problem if you can't see them they're they're a problem and it's it's a thing to get you to in the game go what was that and every time you do that it eats into you a little bit so nice that that would be so soylent cool soylent
1: uh cool. yeah all right i'm I'm, uh... I'm interested i uh i like the idea I think the the idea of a dark table with fog of war where you can only see and react so far has been done a few times, but it's never quite been nailed. And I think that's a that's a lovely that's a lovely thing to um, to try and work, get working on the tabletop. So
0: what's Mike's next idea?
1: Uh, so my third idea. So to pitch to you, I actually can't remember whether we played a very early prototype of this. So the Frosted Flagon, Tavern Brawls in a Fantasy Realm. So this is uh, very simply a warband gang skirmish game, so far so normal with, you know, Mm -hmm. wizards and archers and barbarians, so far so normal, which takes place indoors in a very destructible environment of a tavern with lots of furniture and stuff that can be hurled around, but very critically has a very central drunkenness mechanic where the position of people's drinks really matters, how much you've drunk, and uh, whether you are going to spend time drinking or fighting or what have you. And as well we know, there is an optimum level of drunkenness. Uh, and so <laughs> the game is about managing a resource, as much as anything, within a sort of chaotic gameplay where there's lots of tomfoolery and turnovers and the activation order is quite is quite chaotic because t- you, you essentially, activation is controlled by a deck of cards and you, you get some cards in your hand, and so you have to... Uh, react to the cards that you've got in hand and you also have to make sure that you are exactly as drunk as you need to be and no drunker um, but of course other people will be forcing booze down your head whilst clobbering you with bar stools so that's uh yeah that's the frosted flag and tavern brawls in a fantasy realm
0: i'm inherently interested in the idea of dynamic uh, environments for skirmish games there's there's a game a print and play that i've got up on the website where you're fighting on a ship which pitches in yours and so a- any sort of Anything that isn't nailed down might swing past and take your legs out from under you.
1: It probably wasn't clear what you just said. Glenn has developed a very lovely (laughs) skirmish game where things move around because the, the boat is rocking from side to side. And so you're trying to have a fight, but everything's sliding
0: towards you. There's a free version on the website and a very very cheap to uh, to download version link the in the website. description
1: below. Or yep, we'll psychically put it into your. Uh,
0: there, yeah, there there mind. are links around, and that's and that's sort of built around the fact that once you lose your feet, it's possibly more fatal than being stabbed. And so that's something that I that I'm very much interested in. If the yeah, if the drunken mechanic works and stumbling drunks flail around and you need to sort of play a a risk resolution thing with drinking a little bit but knowing that he's about to Shove an entire bottle of whiskey into you. Yeah, but I'd I'd, it, I'd be interested to play it. It sounds like a, a nice. It'd, it'd be interesting to see as a filler skirmish game. I yeah, want to yeah, see yeah, a yeah. filler skirmish game in the world.
1: M- maybe the tagline is like, "It's a beer and pretzels game," but we're all out of pretzels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would. I would. I would. I would love to see a a filler skirmish game. Something that you can whack out, get onto the tabletop quickly, knock about, be silly, and package away. Okay, uh, something that popped into my head where I was giving feedback on somebody else's idea and it's something that I've never seen and experienced in some games and not seen on tabletop and this would be the uh, my version of a cyberpunk skirmish game. Mm-hmm. So the thing that for me that was always central back in the sort of 80s, 90s to cyberpunk is that there's two overlapping worlds. There's a matrix and there's a physical world. And you almost always had a team where some, you had your street samurai who were piling through the building while the hacker was going through a cyberspace version of the building, trying to open the doors, shut off the cameras so that the street samurai could do their job. What I want is a skirmish game where you physically got the hackers' cyberspace representation on the table, and you've got the uh, the street samurais, the fighters on the table. The terrain is the real-world terrain, which is also mirrored in the Matrix version of it. And your hackers have to work against the opponent's defensive ice, and your your fighters have to so it'll be a, an asymmetric skirmish game. So you're playing two games on the same table with one group who can't directly interact with the other group but can interact with them. By proxy, so the hackers can open the doors or lock the doors for the street samurai and the security forces. The security forces can shoot out or re reattach a camera, and you're you're managing these two different forces um, simultaneously on the same tabletop, and that. That I would like to, to to see happen. That's a very
1: and so is the is the terrain. Do I have two mirrored sets of terrain? One sprayed neon purple and one painted like concrete, or is it that there are elements in the painted like concrete terrain which are neon purple and can't be touched by the street samurai? So, so
0: there are elements. so you've got one tabletop which is the the physical world and elements within the physical world do or don't exist in the hackers world so the the hackers version can walk through certain walls in order to get to access panels for security doors Mm -hmm. um the other hackers also exist in so the defensive ice exists in the same world as the hackers and so you're on the same tabletop you're relative space in relation to each other is relevant but only in a very specific and modulated fashion
1: and how um do you do you imagine like is this a diy skirmish game do i build all this stuff or do you imagine providing tokens for the ice walls that i can't walk my hacker ghost through how does how does it work
0: I mean, I, I imagine things being uh, being very DIY. And this is this is one of the questions that I often have with one of my more, my more sort of um, terrain intensive and singular designs um, where I will tend to play test on a roll of wallpaper with walls drawn in sharpie pen. And it's completely fantastic if you have access to that amount of walls or don't mind playing on a large piece of paper with Sharpie pen. And then you say, OK, now build yourself uh, 50 or 60 modular walls and put them in a certain place, as I say. And that, that, this, that is that, figuring that out and making that work with a normal human beings terrain set is the place where this one lives or dies i would imagine.
1: Yeah, so i love the theme of the netrunner card game. I like some elements of the infinity hacking mechanics. I think that Reality's Edge by Joey Maguire is an interesting read but i haven't got it onto the table yet. I am intrigued by the problem that you're trying to solve and <laughs> i think if this like if if it ended up working I mean, basically, I'm intrigued by the problem you're trying to solve. You haven't sold me on it. I don't, what from what I'm hearing, I don't want to play it, but I do want this problem to be solved. So I'm excited for you to continue to iterate this idea. But I think this this one is for me a no. I, I, the terrain requirements sound like a turn off to me.
0: I mean, when it gets past being a one paragraph idea, I might have yeah, better no, no, answers For some of those
1: questions. Let us not scratch too deep on any of these ideas. There's no <laughs> below them. That's not a point. All right, so one more each? No, two more.
0: Each. Um, two. That's three. So if we said five.
1: All right, so two more each. Let's uh, do a couple rapid-fire ones here then. So I am realizing, with increasing certainty, that I like big models and vehicles more than I like infantry. And the more infantry I collect, the more I realize I don't paint infantry. I paint massive robots and monsters and and vehicles and so on. So what I would love to see on the table is a game called Mythic Hunter, where it's essentially an excuse to have a huge monster model of the week, and to buy and paint another monster model. And that this would be a David and Goliath type of a setup where the monster was AI controlled, and you had the ability to influence it by the things that you do. But ultimately, it's about can you coordinate a set of squeaky heroes to take down something terrifying. And that is already a thing in stuff like, particularly uh, Kingdom Death Monster, but I would love to see it in an analog tape measures type situation, and yeah, and with with more of a DIY aesthetic and with a system that doesn't didn't require oodles of components to drive the AI and so on. So yeah, Mythic Hunter, a, a game of monster hunting. I don't
0: have the ongoing obsession with enormous miniatures that you do. I would consider playing it with your miniatures. Uh, <laughs> a, 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 Anything that required me to, to sort of to pull out a massive miniature, I, I would be I would be disinclined to go towards. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of like um, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Sort of stuff. I think Skulk Hollow. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a board game that sort of does mm-hmm. Shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. If there was a monster of that level of epicness. And, and it was that level of thing. I would want to play it, and I would want to steal miniatures off you to play. More
1: insane terrain requirements from Glenn Ford. <laughs> If it, it, well, you, you know, built yeah, a this... modular, moving, giant robots demon board that you could actually if, walk across, then I would play, if I, But no if less.
0: I, if I <laughs> if I, can clamber up the monster at various points during the game and it matter where I'm stood on it as I drive the knife in, then hmm. absolutely. If uh, it requires me to have a massive monster and skirmish around it, probably less inclined. Hmm. Right, another quick one five years ago or something roughly uh there was a fantastic store called sniper's nest in ramsgate that has since shut down and the chap who run it um was investing uh, a lot of what he had into a hammer horror skirmish game got a lot of the artwork and the miniatures together got the permission of the peter Cushing estate. never went anywhere with it point is I wrote a uh, skirmish game, which was a hammer horror simulator skirmish game. And I've since been going through my files a couple of weeks ago, and it's this fully sort of written out thing. And I've pulled it out and it's like, this, the, the issue with a lot of horror games is you've got vampires fighting humans and it's all balanced. So a human has a reasonable chance of taking down a vampire on turn one. That doesn't happen in vampire movies. The last girl or Van Helsing, whoever it is, Takes down all the vampires, and so it's a game that works around the fact that it actually tries to recreate what happens in humans versus werewolf movies, or humans versus vampire movies, or vampires versus werewolf movies, rather than being an inherently take two forces. They are balanced, line up on the tabletop, kill each other, and it's so that's, it's, it's yeah.
1: an adversarial. It's highly against,
0: asymmetrical, again. highly narrative, and entirely adversarial. So you, yeah. you would All right, say, so the,
1: yeah, this sort of this sounds like. in a similar ballpark to Perilous Tales in that it's trying to create something very asymmetrical but um, it's highly adversarial. Yep. I love asymmetrical skirmish games so much yep. so I am I'm a definite yes on this one. I love hammer horror I love asymmetrical things I love narrative things I'll have to tell me more. I'll have to
0: get it typed up because it's handwritten. I will type it up at some point and throw it at you. Uh,
1: last one from you. Uh, the last one for me um, I'm gonna go with this one because it should be an easy <laughs> sell. So the name of this game is official license pending <laughs> Robot Wars the skirmish game.
0: <laughs> okay yes i mean need i say anymore? i mean yeah obviously uh, why is that not still on tv that was one of the best things
1: <laughs> the last so the intent the intention being that you scratch build something about the size of a hot wheels car that kind of scale you scratch build something you put weapons and so on it there's a very modular build system and clearly there is a you know ongoing campaign you know damage and and gear acquisition system and it's a rampaging robots system of spinning around and buzzsawing each other and probably ends up having a bit more of a detailed damage system than i normally put into my games because whether or not you've got an oil leak or you've got an axe currently stuck in the side of you matters. So yeah, robot wars, the skirmish game. Would you play that? I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, it's it's
0: yeah, that's an obvious everyone's going to play that, definitely. Last one for me, very quick one. M- I know, mild cheats. Not going to be a skirmish game because it's the next sort of vague idea for a box game that I'm excited about but haven't figured out yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll workshop
1: it. We'll turn it into a miniature skirmish game as we go.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, callously thieving some brilliant mechanics from a, a couple of other games, namely Maiden's Quest and Palm Island. Uh, look them up because they they're, they're genius. Basically, a single deck that you can hold in your hand you go through the deck and it tells a story of going through the first idea is a haunted house probably because i've got artwork assets for it will end up being a sort of deserted space station Mm. um you can upgrade cards spinning them and flipping them as you spin and flip them they're going to give you bonuses for the next time you cycle through the deck but not current time uh you can alternatively store them as resources and this is the thing oh blatantly stolen from pile island by sliding the card sideways so it pokes out the side of the deck so when you come across a card you have the opportunity to engage with it and spin or flip it or you have the opportunity to store it as a resource so it literally pokes out the deck and so you've got the whole deck running through in your hand and then when you spend the resource off of a card to upgrade another card when you come across it you spin that background into the deck and so you're running through this single deck everything is sort of built into it and it tells its own story and runs on its own system by doing that
1: lovely
0: Um, yes so i
1: um for some reason it puts me in mind of the moments in dead space the video game where you come back through a location that you've been in and it is much more decayed and descend into madness
0: absolutely i always want that thing where whatever it's say like resident evil you're walking through and there's there's somebody who's half dying but they won't quite peg it at this point so you have to leave them behind and when you come back they croak and drop the key that they're holding mm. and it's the sort of returning to a location and the location has altered and it wasn't useful last time but it is useful this time, deciding where to store it, figuring out how the the rate of the cards rolls around in your hand, that, it, that is the thing that I am interested it
1: feels in. To, it feels to me like this might be a bit cheap but it feels to me like if you made that more into a fighting fantasy classic dungeon crawl thing. That would be something that would attract a lot of attention on Mm. Kickstarter. I mean if I can choice
0: if I if I can get the mechanic the mechanical body of the game working it's going to be super slottable in of themes and ideas you can run it as a, as a dungeon crawl you can run it as a haunted house you can run it as an abandoned space station so if i can if i can get the mechanical body rolling then it's something that can have different stories and different places uh slotted onto it so that's that's an, a two years away minimum idea that i'm rolling on
1: Love it. Love it. I would definitely play that. I'm uh, my, my mind is already writing about uh, the, all the possibilities there.
0: Great. And um, that's
1: not even the end of the list because I, I ended up with a bunch <laughs> of other things that uh, are scavenged. But I guess that is possibly the point of this conversation is there's loads of ideas. Keep having ideas yes. and writing them down. Uh, and you don't yes. necessarily have to pin all of your hopes to one of them or even bother developing them beyond robot wars, colon, skirmish <laughs> game which yeah, I'm actually a lot... really excited to go and figure out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of these ideas people aren't going to see and there's a whole nother... Don't be... Yeah, if, they, if this is about giving people advice, don't be pressured about your ideas. Talk to them about somebody. Talk to them on YouTube, to the world. Get them out. Give them life. See if they See if they play. You know, if they don't, roll them through for the next one. If they
1: do, have fun with them. The other thing to do is obviously to yeah, smash them out in some kind of PDF and put them up on the website. Um, so I tell you what, uh, challenge, Glenn, um, <laughs> uh, within a month of whenever this video drops, uh, let's have a, a playable version of one of these ideas each. Okay, yes. That, that we'll is uh, we'll, do, we'll do a further conversation where we, uh, where we have a little look at what we got to on our very first version of these two, uh, these two ideas. Fantastic.
0: Okay. Well, it's brilliant chatting as always, Mike. Wherever you're viewing this, hit us up on Instagram. Kink Games uh, is my Instagram handle. Mike is on. I do know it's Crikey Miles, I just like, you know, giving the opportunity to say it. Mike is on Crikey Sorry, (laughs)
1: literally in my brain I was going, Robot Wars, Robot Wars, (laughs) Robot Wars, Robot Wars. And I was thinking about the (laughs) model that I was gonna build for Robot Wars. Find me on Crikey Miles and follow the progress of my scratch (laughs) Robot Wars miniatures. Brilliant. Um, If
0: you're watching this on the Tabletop Gaming Spring Showcase, thanks for stopping by. Look up Rule of Carnage on YouTube. We're going to be putting out content on a regularly, uh, relatively regular basis. Uh, you almost awesome said reg- regularly,
1: scheduled. regularly scheduled. There's no schedule. Re- yes. It's just a regularly
0: scheduled uh, <laughs> taste, of, a taste of carnage. Yeah, we're, we'll love to see you in the next video. Uh, this is going to be a podcast somewhere as well at some point. So look us up, give us comments, tell us what you'd like to see us talking about, shout at us about the dumb ideas that we've just suggested and which ones you most want to see us punch up somewhere online for you to uh, have fun with till next time thanks for stopping in and we'll see you on the next video thanks okay bye bye